Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hey, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with my friend Robin Shear. Robin is a joy coach, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about what that means. Hi, Robin. Hi, Anne. <laughs> I'm so glad to be with you today, girl. We, I am really excited about today. Tell us <laughs> what a joy coach is. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. My guess is people who are listening to this are wondering the same. I have only met one other human being who identifies as a joy coach. So it's not like a teacher that's, you know, really obvious. But so a joy coach, in my definition, is a life coach who helps people to find joy when the circumstances say that joy is impossible or unthinkable. And so I really love working with people in the trenches of life because they so often think life has to be perfect and they've got to get all their ducks in a row. And I'm here to tell you that we can have joy in the messiest of days. And it doesn't mean it's going to change our circumstances, but it does give resilience and hope. And so I get pretty excited when I get to work with people and help them to, you know, incorporate that. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you more questions about exactly what that means. But first I wanted to just say, I like to introduce my guests a little bit more and maybe say something that I appreciate about you. But one thing that I noticed because we met just through Facebook and you sent me Facebook messages, which I didn't even know this was possible that you can send voice messages on Facebook Messenger. (laughs) And you you just started talking to me like we were old friends. And I was like, this is cool. I like this because I really admire people that are good at connecting with other people. And you just, uh, proved by sending me those messages that you were, because you didn't, you didn't shy away from, Oh, this person's going to think I'm weird, or I don't know this person. I can't talk to them like that. You just said, Hey, this is what I do. And I'm interested. And, you know, and so then I thought, Oh, that's cool. And it made me want to contact you right away. And then as soon as we started texting, you were like, I am baking a cake and I ate part of it. So I hope I have enough frosting to cover that part. And I was like, I think Robin's my people. You're my people, Robin. (laughs) So so that's how I was just kind of like, I want to be friends with this girl and we're going to make something happen here on the podcast so other people can experience just that joy of connection that we've found just in the last few weeks. <laughs> oh, you're going to get me crying from the beginning. Okay. So the thing is, there's so much there. Like, uh, okay. When I went into life coaching, you know, I got to the point in the journey when I got to decide, okay, what exactly am I going to do with this? You know, yeah. am I going to help people with their marriages or help them with you know, their business or their finance, you know, there's so many things. And I, and I struggled. I really did. I have, I have been told by many people that I've been unofficially coaching all along in in various capacities. And then I should just go to school and make it official, you know, like put the ring on it. And so, um, (laughs) so I did. And then I was like, now what do I do? You know, I don't feel like an expert on anything. I don't feel like I, could be that consultant to guide people down that perfect path towards something. And and so I really didn't know what to do. So I threw it out on Facebook, right? The source of all wisdom and knowledge, the people who see your posts. So I said, Hey, I have to ask you this question. If you think that I have any superpowers, what would they be? Because you know how it is, you know, you, you cannot see the label from inside the jar, right? The label on the outside is so much easier for people who aren't you to read. And it was so interesting because I, and to be honest, I, I was kind of freaked out with the thought of asking this question because the humility that is within 
was kind of afraid of this looking like it was self-serving and it really was intended to help me to see what am I already, what am I doing? And maybe could I go in that direction with my coaching, you know? And one of the things that came up over and over, which I was really surprised by was connection, the ability to connect with people, especially people who are different than I am, which is everybody. And I thought, what? Like I wanted my superpower to be invisibility or the ability to fly or just have a functioning sense of direction, you know, but no, it was, it was connection. And so that, you know, so that was one of the first things that I thought, gosh, can I help people to connect? Mm -hmm. Can I bring to them what I apparently bring to others? Is that something that I possess that I didn't even know a gift? And so, you know, in, in prayer, lots of prayer, months of it, actually, the Lord made it very clear that focusing on joy is really the thing that he's gifted me with. And I remember distinctly thinking, are you serious? Like, people are going to pay for that. Who seeks that? You know, when you have a flat tire, you know what you got to do, but when you're struggling with direction in life and richness and meaning, you don't seek a joy coach. So anyway, um, the very, very short version of the story is one day I was outside praying about this very thing, kind of like an, are you serious God kind of prayer. And it was like eight in the morning, broad daylight, And I was just really questioning this entire thing. It seemed preposterous to me. And the Lord (laughs) in his goodness was like, woman, you're an (laughs) idiot. I'm telling you right now, this is what I want you to do. And to prove that I'm hearing you and I'm going to like answer your prayer. Here is a broad daylight shooting star going right over your head at a slow enough pace that you cannot mistake it for anything, but what it is. And it is me saying yes. So just get out of your way and trust that I'm going to do something different and let's go already. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) You you told me about the shooting star before, and I still got goosebumps (laughs) when you just said that. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. He's so I love when God says you idiot. Cause he says it in the, like, the, most, <laughs> in way. the most loving way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, so, I mean, you said the people mentioned that your superpower was connection and do you ever feel like, like you're too much for people? Like when you put yourself out there, cause I worry about this cause I I'll put myself out there and I'll talk to people in the grocery store or I'll talk to moms on the football team or whatever. And I'll be like, Oh, maybe that was too much. And I'm, I was overbearing for them or something. Do you ever worry about that? No. And maybe I should or could, <laughs> but I guess maybe I've just gotten that message so many times to just be yourself, be who you God made you to be. And he will do what he wants with it. You know, there are times that I have to dial back my excitement, Mm -hmm. um, my exuberance for life. I I really am one of those people most days who jumps out of bed excited just for the opportunity to have the day. And so because that's true, I can be a little strong, you know, and there are definitely times when it's not appropriate. And I have to rein that in and just yeah. be very present in what that person is experiencing instead of wanting to do a victory dance because we're alive that day. So yes, I, I do rein it in at times, I suppose, but then there are other times I'm like, you know what? I am who I am and God can do what he wants with it. That's yeah. good. So just to reassure you, when you reached out to me, I was excited because I was like, oh, a person like me. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, like somebody that's put themselves out there like that. Um, but yeah. but I think maybe I worry about being too much for other people. Yeah. And not, um, like, what do you mean too much? Uh, okay, so let me give you an example. I I had a I met a mom on the football team that my son is on, and uh, mm-hmm. she had the boys over for pizza, and we. Um, you know, we shared a lot about what we're going through with church and things like that. And then I sent her a text the next day and then I didn't hear back. And so my mind went Mm. to, I I was probably, I probably shared too much. I probably was like too much in her face. I was overbearing something like that. And then Mm. I sent her a text again last night and it turns out that her phone just hadn't delivered my text. And so I was, (laughs) I was like, just up in my head thinking, 
oh, it's probably me, you know, instead of thinking, oh, it's just a technology failure. Mm, <laughs> you know, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really and interesting. The funny thing is that I coach people all the time in counseling on, on their thoughts and not making the cognitive distortion of mind reading and all of that, but there I was doing <laughs> it. So isn't it wonderful though? Cause you're aware of it. You've experienced yeah. it. And now someone's going to share something and you're going to be like, Oh, I so get this. And here's yeah. how I learned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I feel like this is a perfect transition since like we changed the tone a little bit right there. The goal of today is to provide our listeners with an experience of what joy coaching would be like. And I shared with you a lot of times on the podcast, I'm interviewing other people, but when I share from my own experience, people tend to give me a little bit more feedback. They're like, Oh, I love that part. I want to hear more from you, things like that. So I thought, well, since we have Robin and she's an expert in joy coaching, let's just allow you for the next few minutes to coach me in joy. And people will see what it, what it's like to have a session with a joy coach. So we're going to, I love it. Let's go. I've never done this. How I fun. Know. And I was afraid when I asked you that, I, that you might feel like, oh, she wants free coaching on the air. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants free coaching. They all want free therapy too, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and that really wasn't the idea. It was just, to, let's do something that hasn't been done before and let's give people a taste so that they can see what this is about. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Anne. I, it's funny that I've never thought to offer that before. And I'm, I was so excited last night. I had a hard time sleeping because <laughs> this is so different. And it's like, wow, because like I said, if you've, you know, got a toothache, you know, to go to see a dentist. And so maybe somebody will hear this and, and realize this is the missing piece. This yeah. might be something that could be helpful. So, and, and it, yeah, let's go, let's just get into it and have some fun. Okay. Lead me, Robin. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do is go through some intro questions. And so normally what happens is I send these questions out when I have a new client and they, they send the responses back to me before our first session and I sell packages. And so, you know, yeah, I could do a one-off session with someone who has like a really specific goal and just needs one hour to just have an accountability partner, someone to pick apart the, the situation. I'll do that but it's rare. What I really like to do is go, go deep with people long-term because that's where the real transformation comes from. And so, you know, this question sheet that I sent you is the beginning of that. So typically, you know, the process is anywhere from like six months to a year is, is a good range. Um, so we'll get as far as we can get in this call, but so there are 10 questions, actually 11. And I think I'll just jump into a couple that really stood out and then we'll see how far we can get. But you know, I think it's important to go with number one, and that is how do you as an individual define what joy even is? Because we cannot coach around something if we aren't on the same page. And the society that we live in is very confused about what joy is and what it isn't. And uh, in fact, I'll tell you, like, if you were to go on Google and search for research on joy, you will get a ton of studies on happiness very rarely do they specify joy. They confuse those terms continually. Or right before our call, I was thinking, oh man, I wonder what are, you know, some other Bible verses on joy? Cause I, I have a bunch in my heart, but there are so many. So I searched it. And of course, you know, all these Bible verses are popping up and I thought, I wonder what would happen if I searched Bible verses on happiness. And you know what? The majority of them were the ones on joy. Right. So yeah, we do. We tend to confuse those two. So I asked you that question. And then I asked you, how does joy compare to happiness in your opinion? Mm -hmm. So I've got your answer here in front of me. Do you want to just riff and tell me what comes to mind? Or do you want me to read your answer? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, okay. So there's two sides kind of informing my response to this question, because the one side is I'm a lifelong church girl. And so I know all of the churchy answers and like, I knew that the Bible doesn't 
talk so much about happiness. It talks more about joy. And I knew that joy is a fruit of the spirit and that we're commanded to have joy. And I know all the Bible verses. And so have that informing me, but then I also have my clinical experience where I'm helping people identify their emotions and sometimes they can identify the emotion of joy, but a lot of times they just want to be happy in their lives. And we do talk about the difference between like happiness is fleeting and it's tied to circumstances and it comes and goes and uh, you can have moments of happiness. Uh, Joy is deeper and it's long lasting and it's a more of a state of being versus a fleeting feeling. So I I think that's, those are the two places that I've, I'm being informed on that. Mm -hmm. And can I just tell you, I mean, if we Googled this, we would find several definitions of joy. And every time I speak to an audience, which is one, like one of my favorite things to do, I always start with this question and take answers and no two people have answered it the same. And I, I don't want people to feel that, you know, there's one right or wrong way, but I think it's really good to just know this is how I see joy. And therefore, because I see it this way, I can now go after it with gusto. Right. I know what I'm aiming for, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's like the, the end point in your GPS. So but having said that, I loved your answer. I'm just going to give you like a friendly point. If we were together, I'd be sticking a gold star sticker right on your forehead. It was that good. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. It is. Yeah. They, the thing that our society, we tend to get wrong is, you know, we think that happiness is the end result, the end goal, excuse me. And so we're always going after it. And what we don't realize is it's never going to last. It just doesn't last. We have been misled to believe that it's the goal. And when we go after it and get it, and then it goes away, mm-hmm. we feel like we screwed up. We feel like we got it wrong. And so then we try again. And so it could be, you know, we go after, let's say a new job and this job is going to change everything. And all of my problems are going to go away because I've got this new job. And then of course, you know, you've got the honeymoon phase and then all of a sudden those problems rear their ugly heads. And you think, oh my gosh, I screwed up. This was not the job for me. I've got to keep job hunting or I've got to make this other huge change. And it's this continual cycle, very much like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I speak, I show this video. Oh my gosh, I should pay this guy money for this video. It's so perfect. The description that it that it provides for happiness. Basically, there's a guy on a roller coaster <laughs> in the front seat, and he's got a cup of popcorn and a glass full of Pepsi with a lid on it and a straw. And he goes up the hill, you know, and all the popcorn and pop starts dumping out. And then he goes down the hill and all the stuff's flying all over and then up and down. And, and it's like, yes, this is what happiness is, this continual like chasing of the thing that that isn't mm-hmm. where joy is contentment with the thing that is, Mm. you know, it's that inner effervescence for life itself. It's my life doesn't have to be perfect, but I have things that make me so thankful to be alive. Even though I've got these difficulties and obstacles, I can still find pleasure in this day. I can still be generous. I can still bless other people I can still connect with my Lord. I can still appreciate nature. I can let my soul be taken over by music. I can just get lost in the sound of somebody laughing. I mean, the list is long. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are sources of joy and, and we can get into that too. Um, But it's like, I love it. You know, on the roller coaster analogy, it'd be kind of boring, right? It'd be a straight ride. (laughs) It would be, you know, it wouldn't be the ups and the downs. It would be more of just kind of the minor bumps and valleys. Mm -hmm. Um, And it might not seem like as big of a rush. You know, happiness gives us the big rush. Happiness is like taking a bite of Godiva (laughs) and oh my gosh, like all the oxytocin is firing. And we're just like, yes, this is the best moment of this day. But then when the chocolate's gone, what do you have left? Just a longing for more. 
So joy is more like gratitude for the fact that Godiva was ever made in the first place. (laughs) Whether it's in your mouth or not, you're like, oh, thank God that he made a person that brilliant that they pulled chocolate out of beans. Who thinks (laughs) of this stuff? (laughs) Well, I think too, as a parent, you know, you hear and you see it in movies and you talk to parents and they say, I just want my child to be happy. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'll support whatever decisions they make as, as the young adult, because I just want them to be happy. And Mm -hmm. like that, that chafes with me a little bit because I just feel like that I have a higher goal for my children. (laughs) Like I don't want them just to be happy because I know that that is like that roller coaster ride. And that's not going to be deeply fulfilling to them as knowing Christ and having deep joy in their identity in him. Yes. I wish that this was video and people could see how hard I'm shaking my head in the green. I mean, (laughs) you're right. You're right. And I think that as a parent, you're doing your kids such a favor by having an understanding of that and guiding them toward what is lasting and, and what is possible because there are times when happiness just isn't possible. And so it's, it's so important that you're sharing that with them. And you know what, I'm, I'm hoping people hear this. That's the thing is like, if you know that that's of value and you're sharing that message, I hope and pray that it lands on someone else who needs to hear it because Again, if we go back to what we see in movies or what we see on the internet, it's all about happiness Mm -hmm. and I'm not knocking it. Let me tell you, happiness is really fun stuff, (laughs) but it's because of its temporary, you know, nature that we have got to do ourselves a favor and put time in the things that last and, and maybe a mixture is really the goal, right? Because there's nothing wrong with feeling good in the moment, but it's like, okay, then what? That's where joy can enter in. And so, yeah, people might think I'm bashing happiness and there are coaches who specialize in happiness and, and I'm, I'm not trying to do them any disrespect, but I think that we've heard that message so long and it hasn't worked yeah. and we need something lasting. And so, yeah, digging into our faith, digging into the things that are lasting provide, you know, that's, that's where the contentment comes in and that's where the resilience comes from. Yeah. Your kids will thank you yeah. <laughs> someday, right? At least yeah. once. <laughs> it's really hard for me not to go back into interviewer mode here because I want to ask you questions, but I'm going to let you coach me. So <laughs> <try>. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So the next one, maybe make a note of that question and we can come back to it. But so I asked you this one and man, I, I'm so grateful that you're willing to open up and share this because I think a lot of people will relate to your answer, but Why? Why are you seeking more joy in your life? Like, what is it that you want? This is really interesting because I, uh, you know, when you reached out, I felt like, oh, that's fascinating that you're a joy coach, but I'm doing okay with that. So, (laughs) and that's, (laughs) I think maybe that's the opinion that a lot of people have about therapy or about religion or, you know, any of these things like, well, that's good for those people that need it, but I'm doing okay. And, (laughs) but then, uh, and I shared with you several different circumstances that happened where God was putting it in front of my face (laughs) and, (laughs) and there was no shooting star, but there was, (laughs) you know, the podcast that I was listening to and the song that came on and the, uh, sermon that I heard and the sermon that my child heard and the verses that popped into my daily, whatever, like everything had to do with joy. And I, I was thinking like, what is going on here? And then I remembered even, uh, almost like a year and a half ago now when someone at a, like a prophetic worship night had spoken to me about joy and I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, like, well, that's interesting, but okay. I'll just see where that goes. And I mean, this is so much later, uh, but it just keeps popping up. And my mom always says like, if you hear something three different times, and usually she'll say like, you'll hear it from a friend and you'll hear it 
you'll read something in the, in your Bible and then you'll hear it like maybe from a song or a, a sermon or something like that. And if it's three times, this is, this is how God works with my mom. If it's three <laughs> times, then that means you really need to pay attention and ask him what he's doing with that. And so I was like, well, I think it's more than three times. So I better really pay attention here. <laughs> so that was, that was the number one reason where I was just thinking, okay, well, I didn't feel like I was not a joyful person, but since you're bringing it to my attention, I guess I'll pay attention and just be open to whatever God wants to do with this. And I'm just interested to see what happens. And then the other big thing is just that I have struggled with depression since I was a teenager. And so it's not all the time, but sometimes I have depressive episodes and Mm -hmm. I just feel like I run a little bit lower. Like my mood typically runs a little bit lower than the average person. And so if digging into my sense of joy could help with that, then that'd be nice not to have to feel depressed, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I do. I do know. And I think that it's wonderful that you are willing to be so authentic and share with your audience that even as a therapist, you struggle with depressive episodes, because I think that, you know, we put therapists up on a pedestal where they've got it all figured out and life doesn't work that way. And how wonderful, how wonderful that you're willing to share that and share the fact that not only do you recognize you have these episodes, but you want to do something. You want to try to take action to, you know, prevent them or to get through them quicker or, you know, treat them in some way. I think that that's really huge because so often when we consider seeking therapy or seeking coaching, we think, well, I'm really not that bad yet. You know, like I'm not as bad as those people, you know, I can figure this out on my own. And I, and I think, from a biblical perspective, there's got to be some spiritual warfare in there because the Lord does not design us or intend for us to have that level of pain. I mean, it's very clear in scripture what he wanted, and it was for us to have a rich, meaningful, fulfilling relationship with him that's filled with joy. Let's go there. And, and so when we have those struggles, I don't really think that The Lord who is loving and merciful is the one who wants us to necessarily go through those times. Mm -hmm. And when we go there and then don't seek help, what does that say? Right? The question is out there. I mean, for your audience as well, for those who are listening to this going, man, I really love that she has a podcast because I can get all the help I need and I don't. ever have to call a therapist. (laughs) I wish that that were the case. I always tell people, I feel like, does everybody need a therapist and a coach? Probably not. Generally just the ones who are breathing. Those are the ones who really need both a therapist and a coach. (laughs) I'll have a therapist until the day she kicks me out. And I didn't mention the fact, Hey, I have a therapist and I, I absolutely adore, you know, her as an individual, but I've also learned so much that I couldn't, I couldn't have learned on my own. And I, I just, I could go on all day about the benefit, but I think that the Lord wants us to get back to what he designed and the enemy of our souls wants us to stay trapped in that separation and in those feelings. And so it's really on us to decide what are we going to do? Are we going to listen to him? Or are we going to like show up at a therapist or coach's office and say, yeah, I guess it really is that bad, <laughs> which of course it's not. But I, in fact, the day that I started therapy, I remember walking in there and I said to her two things. Number one, I'm going to keep you busy for a very long time. <laughs> and the other thing is I never thought it would get this bad. Mm-hmm. And she helped me to see that there's nothing bad about it at all, that it is very very good to Mm -hmm. seek help. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Lord, you know, is the one who inspires us to get together and to move forward out of that muck. And so, yeah, for you to get a little resistance as as you were digging through some of these joy coaching questions, I'm not surprised it happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I was so glad you were 
you're willing yeah, to share. I thought when you sent me the questions, I was like, at first I was really excited. And then I went, Oh, this is going to be hard. <laughs> and, hard I and then I thought, you know, there's just a little bit of resistance here because mm-hmm. I, and I, I've met with that with clients before where, you know, the, the change, like allowing yourself to change is hard and scary and yep. different. You know? It is. Mm-hmm. It's easier to do what you're already doing. Even if well, you're, what if. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. What, what if you find that doing the work gives you a newfound sense of freedom and, you know, is way more fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Part of my resistance to accepting God's call to be a joy coach and part of why he had to hit me up the head with a shooting star is because I really questioned if people would find it valid. Um, we're a really driven society, you know, you're a type two Enneagram, you know what I'm talking about, or are you a type three? You're a three. I'm a two. I always get those confused. Okay. So yeah, you're about accomplishment and achievement. And I think you're not alone. And all of a sudden I'm bouncing in going, let's have more fun. You know, who's going to take that serious. And are people going to bash this and say, what a joke, like we have stuff to do. (laughs) But the fact is like, we all know that when we are feeling good, when our mood is where it's, you know, high and happy, we do get more stuff done. We are more productive. We, we are more, you know, capable of accomplishing things. There is nothing wrong with wanting to have fun along the way. And, uh, you know, I think society really needs to hear that message, whether they come to me or not is irrelevant, but I think the need for fun is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, (laughs) so thank you for sharing, you know, some of this resistance. You are not alone. You're not alone at all. In fact, when people respond to these questions, so often I hear like, wow, I thought this was going to be really fun. And this was one of the hardest things I've done in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And okay, why? Let's figure out why. Where does that come from? That's where we often begin a lot of our work. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering for you, like, what comes up for you? What do you think? What do you think is holding you back from like just diving into these questions and thinking about joy more often? I think uh, just what you said, like being driven by uh, what can I achieve and accomplish and, um, there's, there's partly that, like, I just, I'm a busy mom and practice owner and I run a podcast and I just need to, I just got to get stuff done. I'm just busy. I don't have time to stop and play, you know, <laughs> right. Um, right. there's that there's also, I think this probably has to do with my personality and like being an Enneagram three, like, I want to make sure that I already look good. And like this, this is kind of like hard to admit in public here, right? That I care about my image and I want to look like I'm already put together. And so if I look like I have to figure this thing out or I didn't have it together, then there's a, there's just a feeling of discomfort. It just, it feels awkward and, and kind of itchy and, <laughs> you know. Those are great words. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that that makes so much sense. So much sense. And people are listening going, oh my gosh, I get her. I so feel that way too. Anytime I need to make any kind of change, I would much rather look like I've got it all going on than I need help. And it's like, okay, if we allow that thinking to, you know, continue and we don't get the help that we need or make the change that we need, then what? You know, what if we don't, does it mean that we won't have any joy? I doubt it. Could we have more joy? I think so. (laughs) What do we want and how hard are we willing to work to get there? And can we just cast aside those fears and say, yeah, you know what? There have been times in my life when I needed help and I got it. Mm -hmm. And here I am doing what I'm doing as a result. Mm -hmm. And, and this could be another one of those times, but That theory only holds water if you can say, looking back on your life, that you have literally done it all yourself Mm -hmm. and always had it all together. Naturally, it was inborn from the (laughs) get-go. It's not true for anyone. (laughs) Are you one of those miracle people? (laughs) No, not actually. (laughs) 
like that. <laughs> I'm the one that takes a bite out of the cake and puts frosting in the hole. <laughs> I outed you. <laughs> right. So, so good. So good that despite the, that resistance, you are still having this conversation. You know, your audience should know I gave you an out. I said, <laughs> well, no, if you don't want to go there, if it's a little much, you know, we can talk about this or that. And you're like, no. I'm really, I'm really ready to do this. I'm going to try. It's not going to be easy and I'm going to try anyway. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you for that. I think it's pretty amazing. (laughs) Again, I wish I could jump through and hug you. Just in what you just said, like, it's not going to be easy and I'm going to do it anyway. I just, I feel like that's something that I've been learning more um, recently, like even through like the fitness ministry that I'm a part of, like that we train for hard things. And when you make your body do the hard thing of working out, like you prove to yourself that you can do the hard thing. And when you push through like the uncomfortable feelings, when you're trying to achieve something in like, like in therapy or something, you are proving to yourself that you are stronger and you can do harder things and you're training those emotional muscles to do more. And I think there's actually joy in that. And again, this could just be my personality, but I think putting yourself up against a hard thing and then pushing through it and getting, getting to the other side, like there's joy there. I love that. You know what? I've asked hundreds of people around the world, what brings joy to you? And the lists are long, you know, usually most people come up with at least five things. Some people come up with 10, but the answers have never all been the same. Mm. We're all so unique. And I don't remember ever anybody saying what you just said, Mm. which is so cool. It's so great. Anne, that you said that because it's true to who you are and that's where it gets good. This Mm. isn't about that superficial thing that everybody else is doing and wanting some of that. This is about digging deep into what makes you tick, what makes you unique and fills you up to overflowing. And and when we know what that is, our job then is to get more of it. To get more of it. And, you know, next time I come back, we can kind of talk more about that. And I'm going to tell you right now that most people who are like you, who are givers and who care about the well being of other people, really struggle with this because guilt creeps its ugly head into there and it starts telling the person that seeking joy is selfish. Mm-hmm. And so I'm here to tell you right now, I could talk about that for an hour and I know we don't have all day. We can come back to this next time, but I would really like the listeners to just ask themselves, like, if I'm thinking about adding more joy to my personal joy bucket, Mm. what comes up? Does guilt come up? And if so, why? And what am I going to do about it? So can we come back to that? Yeah, of course. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just, I'm glad that you're willing to go there and do the work and make the change and model that for other people. And I'm also glad that you weren't so stuck in that thinking of, well, I think I'm a joyful person. Why do I keep getting this message from different places? Why does God keep bringing this more than three times, right? According to your mom's Mm -hmm. wisdom. And you know what, what is he trying to tell me? You know, you can resist it or you can lean into it and, and you are leaning into it. And I think along the way, you're going to find that even if you are considering yourself to be a joyful person, it doesn't mean that you've maxed out. It doesn't right. mean that you have <laughs> all the joy that you're able to achieve. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a cool thing about God, right? That he, um, can give you abundantly, but he's never maxed out. And so yes, it's kind of like when, when you become a parent, you think, Oh, this little baby has my whole heart and I'm never going to love anybody more than I love this person. And then you have your second child and you're like, I love this one just as much. And you're, that your, your yeah. heart grew or, or something like that, like there's no limit on things like love and joy and faith and peace and hope. So true. No limit. That is such a perfect example that, that parenting example, I think we really resonates with me and, and with other parents. Uh, yeah, 
I think we've all kind of been there thinking we have maxed out and then we find how wrong we were and how thankful we are that we found out that we were wrong in the first place. (laughs) Well, and just to go back to the conversation about how joy is different than happiness. Like you gave that example of you're eating the Godiva chocolate and it's joyful in the second, the second that you're doing it, but then it leaves you wanting more. But the thing is, if you just continually ate more and more chocolate, you'd make yourself sick. You'd, you know, you'd make yourself chubby, like (laughs) whatever you have a problem and joy or love or whatever it is, is not like that, that the more you have, there's never like, it's not going to make you sick. It's not going to destroy you. I love that so much. And again, no one has ever said that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've talked to so many people about this subject and I love that you said that it is so true. And I'm reminded of, I wish I knew the exact place in the Bible, but there's a verse about, you know, how God can give us more than we ask or think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he can give it abundantly. And this is one of those things. Why would he put a cap on it when it came from him in the first place? He's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So if we think we've already maxed out or we don't think that we need to think about it, I'm here to tell you that idea is not going to come from the one who designed it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question is raised, well, then why am I listening to it at all? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I love about joy is, I mean, there are lots of things, but I do love that it is so contagious. It is something that, you know, if you truly have it, you cannot contain it. You know, when you're like at a gas station and the person who's pumping next to you has joy in their heart, you can (laughs) see it, right? It changes the people at the gas station. It's not a personal selfish thing. And so like, you know, the, the scripture about, you know, our, my cup runneth over. I, I laugh every time I hear that because I think God, a cup, like seriously, <laughs> when we think about all he's done for us and how much we have to give thanks for, I mean, a cup would never be big enough. And I think at minimum, a bucket, like my bucket runneth <laughs> over. And so like I've coined this term joy bucket from that verse. And yeah. I have a Facebook group called the joy bucket because oh, wow. I want people to think about what goes into their bucket and are they putting it in there so often and, and making it part of life so that it overflows. It's all about it overflowing. There's somebody at the gas station who needs your joy. So do what you got to do to fill up your own joy bucket with the intention from the start of overflowing it. Mm. You know, that's really interesting too, because I was thinking earlier when you were talking about you wake up in the morning and you're just exuberant for the day. And there's obviously a difference between like morning people and not morning people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it reminded me of, uh, in college, I had one roommate who was a morning person and she would wake up in the morning and she's from the South and she would make grits in our microwave <laughs> and, and she would do Thai bow. I think this is back in the day of like Billy Blinks and there was a, oh yeah. CD or, a DVD <laughs> or something and she would do Thai bow in the morning. And so when the other roommates and I would walk out all groggy and you know, just, just having late into the night and she would be like, good morning. <laughs> and she would just start jabbering and, and we would all just <laughs> tell her, you can't do that. We're not morning people. Can't you go away. Yeah, go away. <laughs> Clean up your grits. <laughs> you know, and it's, but she, she, and I love her dearly. So I'm not saying anything bad at her. It was just, it just highlighted the difference of somebody that is like a morning person versus a not morning person. Yeah, right. But We're wired differently. When I'm thinking about how rude it felt in the moment to be told good morning, when you didn't feel like, it, like and she wasn't, she wasn't being rude. It just wasn't hitting the mark at the moment. And I was thinking about that person at the gas station. And even if they need your joy and you have it and it's overflowing, you still have to be 
kind of uh, sensitive or um, mm-hmm. intuitive maybe about connecting with a person in a way that they can receive your joy and not just feel like they got hit by the joy truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Because would that bring joy to that person then? You know, yeah. let's say that guy is pumping gas on his way home from a funeral and you have no idea. And you're like, what a great day, you know? And yeah, no, that would be offensive. And there wouldn't be that, that wouldn't be your joy might be flowing out of the bucket, but that's not how he's going to receive it. You're right. There certainly needs to be sensitivity to that. And, you know, joy isn't something that we have without regard to the difficulties of life. You know, this is not the same thing as toxic positivity, which I am very opposed to very opposed. And people are surprised. No toxic positivity is like, everything is great. My problems don't affect me. You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to rise above this and everything's going to be amazing and nothing's going to bother me. That's not real people. That is, that is a Lego movie, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're going to set yourself up for some serious disappointment if that's your goal. And this is, even though I'm on my way home from a funeral, I am thankful that I have enough money in my account to fill my gas tank. That's what this is. You know, um, it's a big part of it is gratitude. It is actually gratitude is one of the richest sources of joy itself. Yeah. Gratitude and joy are kind of like chicken and egg, right? It's hard to say which goes which, and it, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but it's it's really about if if gratitude is something that fills your joy bucket, then what are you doing with it? How often, you know, are you expressing gratitude? You know, is it coming up naturally? Does it have to be more of a forced thing? You know, when you don't feel like yourself, let's say you are on a funk. You might even call it depression. And you know that gratitude is on your list. Mm. It's a good time to stop and do a self-check and ask the question, when's the last time I could truly feel gratitude for Mm. something? And in this moment, if I really did the work and dug deep, what do I have to be thankful for? You know, beyond the like top five, they get passed around at the Thanksgiving table that everybody, you know, wrote. (laughs) Right nothing wrong with those things, but let's go deeper and let's really take a look at it. Because when you are thankful for the fact that the cut on your finger healed and didn't get infected (laughs) and that God knit those cells together and blocked out the things that don't belong because he knows exactly what does belong Mm -hmm. and he is protecting you down to the nuclear level when you go that deep, you, you can't help but feel gratitude, like real gratitude. And when I'm in a funk and I'm allowing myself to thank God for things, my funk gets a little bit less painful. You know, I do find myself rising out of that. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. I might still be having a lousy day, but I have some resilience back in my toolkit again. Yeah. I've got some contentment back. Yeah. You know, I think it was in Anne Voskamp's book, uh, 1000 gifts. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But she, oh, you, you might like that one. <laughs> she okay, said, yeah, she said some of the research about gratitude and how it has the ability to shift your mood and perspective. And they did a study and I'll get, I'll get the numbers wrong, just saying it off the top of my head, but it was something simple, like writing down three things you're grateful for every day for six weeks. And then they gave people like their baseline happiness and they saw like a 25% improvement in six weeks. Like 25% is a lot of happiness, right? So yes. And, and her whole book is about like the 1000 gifts that the, it's titled after it. She literally wrote down a list of a thousand things that she was grateful for. And I it was that. like the big things like your family and your house and all of that, your salvation, but also the little things like the smell of the concrete after the rain or the, you know, like yeah. the sun coming up through that tree right there. And I can see the leaves moving mm-hmm. like little things. <laughs> I love it. I mean, as you share that, like what's happening to like your own joy bucket? Yeah. You're thinking about it. 
you can't help it. And even that's just, where it gets good. Yeah. Even just thinking about it kind of turns the tide. Right? Yes. Yes. Bottom line. That's it. You just totally nailed it. The reason <laughs> that I'm a joy coach is to get people to think about it because we don't. And life is just coming by us so fast and we don't stop to think about it. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we do? What happens when we do? And how does it affect the other people who are in our path? That's where it gets good. You know, like my business is called Joy to the World Coaching. Yeah. I would love to reach the world. I mean, let me tell you, I would love the world to have this message that joy is worth learning about, going after, and incorporating because it matters. But I can't, I can't reach the world. So, like one person at a time. And I especially love those people in the trenches who are doing it. Cause if we can keep them doing it, we reach the world, right? The givers. And so how do we keep the givers focused on joy, thinking about it and then expressing it yeah. because it really does go back to such a simple um, thing as just thinking about it a little bit more often. It does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like you know, we've covered a lot of good stuff and there's so much more. And so we had already talked about, this is going to be a two part episode. <laughs> we're going to come back and we're going to do a couple more questions Yay. so that we can dig into my joy experience <laughs> a little bit. I'm going to get <laughs> a little bit more by Robin. Um, so for now, since we need to wrap up just for time's sake for today, and we will come back. Robin, what is one way that people can find more about you if they're interested in getting this kind of joy right now? <laughs> sure. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, the best way is probably my website. I'm on a lot of social media as well, but it's probably easiest for people to remember joy to the world coaching.com just because we all know the song. So yep. joy to the world coaching.com. Yep. There's a contact form. If you want to chat, hit me up on the contact form and we can go from there. But before we come back, I would love it if listeners would begin to question what brings joy to them, you know, as they hear this, how do they define it and where does it come from for them? And then we'll see if we have any similarities. That's always kind of fun. I have a t-shirt that says, um, ask me how we are alike. And I've had the best conversations with strangers when I wear this thing, but joy is so much fun to connect over. So you and I will share next time, like what really brings joy to us. Mm -hmm. And if your listeners are ready with a few ideas of their own, it'll be fun for them to see how we might be alike. Yeah. And maybe we can put this out on social media and see what kind of Yes, you can get in the meantime. Love it. Let's do it. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for being here today, Robin. Yay! Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I hope we didn't beat you up too much. You had to really go in. (laughs) We'll talk again soon. Sounds great. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.